Hello and welcome to Earth Chain, a brand new podcast that aims to educate you on the issues affecting planet Earth. Brought to you on behalf of Earth Chain, a company with a sleek new approach to tackling this unhinged crypto market. EarthChain allows users to delve into the realm of blockchain technology while simultaneously saving the planet, permitting you fast passage to living that opulent lifestyle that's eluded you for just a little bit too long. This is episode one of the new series. Each week, we will be taking a look at some of the issues faced by our charity partners, as well as those issues faced by the planet and thus all life therein. But first, let's take a quick look at EarthChain and what it really is all about. I'm your host, Jacob Sanders, and this is EarthChain. EarthChain floated its exciting new token just over two weeks ago as I write this. Token handle Earth, it certainly has achieved some impressive things in a very short space of time. But what exactly is it, and what does it do? Well, a few things. Let's take a deeper look. In a nutshell, EarthChain is a grassroots project aiming to utilise the power of blockchain technology to help save. I would personally describe it as having a distinctive technique harnessed by a team with crypto know-how immersed in a cordial community with clear goals laid out in front of them. I mean, you couldn't really ask for much more from them, really, could you? Okay, so let's break down what I just said. The way EarthChain uses blockchain technology is by floating its native token, Earth, on the Binance Smart Chain, allowing investors to capitalize on minimal fees and quick, reliable transactions. But it's also allowing more investors than ever to participate, lowering the threshold and giving power to the independent trader. It uses a deflationary frictionless yield aggregation protocol, as well as a black hole yield protocol. Or in layman's terms, every transaction has a fee that adds up to 5%. This is made up of 2% going to the holders which is the deflationary frictionless yield aggregation protocol. 1.5% goes to securing liquidity, which is the black hole yield protocol. Utilizing a double deflationary mechanism with the black hole wallet in the auto liquidity lock helps ensure future economic prosperity. Now you may have noticed that that didn't quite add up to 5%. The remaining 1.5% brings me on nicely to my next point and the main intent of EarthChain as a whole really. This extra slice gets accumulated in a charity wallet automatically. Once a month, the community will lead a democratic vote on which organisations benefit from the pool. In turn, meaning every time you buy Earth, the Earth itself benefits. As the donation's focus will be on the sustainability and conservation sector of the Earth and the life she inhabits. Exciting news also on that front, I'm pleased to report our movement is now an official partnership with Surrey Wildlife Trust and let me tell you, as someone who's previously lived in Surrey for a good 10 years, they do great work. I've worked for quite a few charities and NGOs in the past and I see how a lot of them operate behind closed doors. You'd be surprised at how corrupt some of the big name ones are. consultation with our experienced charities manager, we'll be ensuring the donations our community makes fall into good hands in a transparent and democratic process allowing crucial relief efforts on various global fronts. (laughs) 
Surrey Wildlife Trusts, incidentally, only spend three pence on the pound for their governance, which is astonishingly good. 84p goes straight into the efforts they publicise, with the remaining 12 going into insuring the next pound. A respected charity with over 60 years of hard work in a beautiful area of the country, so we're very pleased to be announcing this, especially on episode 1. This is a momentous event in Earthchain timeline, as this will certainly be the first of many to come. Not to mention the well-received AMA that took place on Thursday, all made possible due to the Red Room Telegram, so thanks again for that. Also, no, it's not a Twin Peaks themed chat room, more of a crypto hotspot. Uh, the AMA actually led to 50% gains in a four hour period. Um, that ended up settling around the 33% mark overnight. It did help identify the tracks for the increase in price and the upward trend that's so clearly laid out since then. If you don't believe me, check out the PooCoin candle graph and then we can talk. In talk with EarthChain's project leader, Matt Pendleton, I learned that we hope to ensure several long-term charitable partners, ensuring continued support for these magnificent causes. Looking at the fast progression of Earth so far, he could indeed be right, as this week also saw the token get independently audited by Solitary Finance, as well as the identities of the DOCS team. Of course, everything passed with flying colours, and it's onwards and upwards from here. We believe now is the time to get in, as this is as close to the bottom as it will ever be pretty much. If you look at the price since launch, it would seem that most of the dumpers have already been flushed out. And if you're listening to this on release day, you're early, so consider yourself lucky. Get involved and thank us later. A 20% increase in the next couple of weeks is looking fully obtainable, with perpetual growth set to snowball over the coming periods after that. The current market cap is sat at around 430k, an absolutely tasty number for the mid to long term. Matt is also happy to announce we're in talks with WWF as a potential next partner, making sure that your donations go to replacing all of the tables, ladders and chairs that Rey Mysterio crashes through on a weekly basis. No, of course I'm joking, I'm referring to the World Wildlife Foundation and the glorious work they do all over the globe. For the younger of you who don't get that joke, the World Wrestling Entertainment Group used to be known as the World Wrestling Federation, before the real WWF pinned them down in court and they tapped, leading to a change. A future partnership with the real WWF would be very exciting. Another reason I'm optimistic about the future of this token, this team, this fantastic community and the causes supported. To find out more, go to earthchain.finance or follow us on Twitter at earthchainf. Uh, the F is for finance. Uh, for access to our Telegram. Earth is a BSC token and therefore available with a MetaMask wallet. A simple how to buy guide is linked on the website and it takes no time at all. It will fully benefit the tribes we support and allows us to act economically prosperous on your behalf, both extraordinarily and plenipotentiary. Make money while saving the earth? Could there be six better words put together in the 2020s? Having now been inducted into how we work and what we do, we do hope to see you join our warm community soon, backing a grassroots initiative with a strategy to blockchain technology executed with guile and ingenuity in an industry otherwise run by artifice. Now every episode, as well as updating you on the goings-on of our movement and the steps made since last time we spoke, we'll be shining a light on some of the issues we one day hope to be tackling. 
some interesting crossovers between the crypto world and the renewable energy market at the moment. Let's take a further look. Now, the hot topic in cryptos at the moment has to be the renewability and sustainability they can offer the future. With the recent push to revisit the environmental impact of mining coins brought on by none other than Homo Plebeius himself, Elon Musk. Yes, swooping onto Twitter like some kind of Abercrombie and Fitch self-declared Jesus. We're seeing once again just how dramatically the market can react to one man's Twitter account. Although when that man is Reddit's god, I wouldn't be surprised. We've learnt not to underestimate Reddit before, and the wise among us will not make that mistake again. Elon's tweet forced Bitcoin, and therefore most of the market, into a pensive nature. An action still being felt now, with huge ripples that subsequently lost investors around $900 billion. The incident caused much backlash, understandably, and many came out against him, including Mark Cuban, billionaire owner of the NBA team, the Dallas Mavericks. However, this feeds right into Elon's narrative, and those who follow him seem to be on some kind of activist vacation, albeit not fully without merit. Now, why is that, you may ask? Firstly, we need to ask ourselves, why does Bitcoin have such high energy consumption needs? And the short answer to which is, of course, mining. The power required to operate farms upon farms of machinery and cooling systems, along with every other gadget needed, amasses such a monumental amount of energy. In fact, the world's Bitcoin mining needs consume a larger annual amount of electricity than the country of Argentina. This of course coming from Michael Rauchs and company at the University of Cambridge and their Centre for Alternative Finance, who concluded that Bitcoin use over 121 terawatt hours of electricity a year, which would put Bitcoin in the top 30 for worldwide energy consumption needs were it to be its own nation. Venture to that capital. Incidentally, the Earth token intends, and rightly so, to be carbon neutral, with negligible power usage at worst. The Earth token runs on a proof-of-stake system, as opposed to the proof-of-work system enjoyed by Bitcoin and its monumental computational power. After seeing Tesla announce they will no longer accept Bitcoin as a payment, once again sparking the sustainability debate, Mark Cuban responded to Musk, claiming cryptos are better for the environment overall when compared to a traditional gold-based system. He went on to say the Maverick franchise would continue to accept Ethereum, Bitcoin, Doge, while citing a New York Times article from 2005 shedding light on the environmental impact of gold mining. Some metal mines, including gold mines, have become the near equivalent of nuclear waste dumps that must be tended to in perpetuity. Hard rock mining generates more toxic waste than any other industry in the United States, according to the EPA. The agency estimated last year that the cost of cleaning up the metal mines in the nation could reach $54 billion, writes the article. But could it all be worth it? If you were to suppose for a moment that Bitcoin were its own country, 
With its top 30 power consumption needs, it would interestingly enough actually be the greenest country on the planet, and by quite some distance too. In January of this year, a brilliant article by Dominic Frisby surfaced entitled, Bitcoin does consume a lot of energy, but here's why it's worth it. The article exemplifies the truth behind the mining, which is that the majority of it is running on renewable energy. In fact, over half of the world's mining takes place in Sichuan, China, with 95% of the energy being used in the city coming from the massive hydroelectric infrastructure that's in place locally. Research by CoinShare similarly concluded that 74% of worldwide Bitcoin mining power is generated from renewable sources. Many renewable energy generators are poorly located and underutilized, and thus Bitcoin mining has become the only viable use for this electricity, says strategist Tatiana Rovaredo, pointing to such farms as those that sprung up on unwanted land near nuclear power stations worldwide, particularly in France and more recently in the Americas. So where does that leave us? Well, ironically, if 74% of Bitcoin power usage does indeed come from renewable sources, then it means it makes better use of renewables than most other similar sized industries. One company in Sweden is even recycling the heat generated from a mining network to heat greenhouses. Also somewhat ironically, the very reason Bitcoin has been so popular itself is the power usage itself. I mean, it's the proof of work system itself that takes the power, but in turn makes it popular. Look, what Elon is doing here is shining an important light on the industry as a whole, albeit perhaps in a misguided manner. He is right that the environment is important, without a doubt. But from what we've seen, the crypto biosphere is already heading in the right direction, especially when compared to other similarly sized industries. You might think I'm being a little harsh on him, but when you consider that Tesla's main source of income is not selling cars, it's actually selling renewable energy credits to other less green companies such as General Motors and Dodge. It seems he himself doesn't mind turning a quick buck while the world suffers. The very act of cashing in on these credits is allowing other companies to use their massive financial weight to leverage a legally green status while still pumping out way too much of the bad stuff. Ultimately, nothing changes in terms of the planet. The only thing that changes are the size of some people's bank accounts. What he is doing is providing a commentary on an important issue that many often seem to overlook. He is picking up on the vision of crypto, and it's sparking an interesting debate, and I'm sure many future millionaires. And look, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But it is just worth pointing out that several weeks ago, he made over $100 million on Bitcoin, knowing full well what he was going to do and what would happen as a result. And as a result, I now look at Elon like a tampon advert. He's very wholesome and fun on the surface. You know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of blood being shed. We'll, we'll let you be the judge of that one. But it is kind of hypocritical though. I mean, similar to the whole charging five pence for a bag at the supermarket thing in a way. I mean, for those who aren't aware, in the UK and other countries in recent years, they've started to charge for plastic carrier bags because the plastic bags go into landfall and end up in various harmful situations. One of which is when it ends up in the ocean. It can't biodegrade, and sea turtles mistake them for jellyfish anatomically, so eat them and choke. Now okay, that's terrible and it annoys me that this happens, but how is the solution to charge me 5p for the bag in the first place? If the bag is still being created, used and eaten by the turtle, how is it going to fix anything? 
And you might say, yeah, okay, some of the five pence goes towards the efforts to help clean up the ocean and save the turtles. But in my mind, I see it as a clear problem has been identified. Simply remove it. Don't charge me 5p for the bag to fix the aftermath of the production of the bag. Stop selling me the bag in the first place. Ban them. Popularize a biodegradable one instead. And I mean, to, I mean to say popularize instead of invent because many options for sustainable carrier bags exist out there already. Americans alone go through an estimated 600 billion plastic bags a year. Now, however, most plastic bags are actually recyclable. It's just that few people actually recycle them, although it's not for lack of trying. Recycling plastic bags is a difficult task. They fly away in their recycling plant and they clog up machinery. Because of this, many places do not offer curbside recycling for plastic bags. Instead, large-scale retailers offer bag recycling services. However, these services are dependent on the consumer bringing the plastic bag back to the store. And do you trust the collective mind that is the general public to be responsible? Outside of cancelling the European Super League, the public have let me down a lot recently. So yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and give that one a miss, shall we? We also know from data collected by watershed groups, environmental commissions, vast park and beach cleanup efforts, and global projections provided by the World Economic Forum, that if we keep using single-use plastics at our current consumption rate by 2050, we will have more plastic and fish in our oceans. Six years ago, all but two of the world's countries agreed on a series of 17 global objectives for ending poverty and ensuring conservation of the environment with aims targeted by 2030. These aims, better known as the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, included SDG 14, which writes to conserve and sustainably use the oceans, seas and marine resources for sustainable development. Now, bad writing if you ask me to say sustainable twice in the headline, but it is a good point nonetheless. A study conducted last year by two former diplomats with the Competence Centre for International Relations was published in the Journal of Marine Policy, estimates that to hit the targets needed to achieve SGG 14, the world must spend in excess of $170 billion per year. Side note, if you were to lay 170 billion $1 notes end-to-end, that's 6.14 inches each, they would travel to and from the moon nearly three and a half thousand times. A long line indeed, almost as long as the one Elon must have taken before logging into Twitter last week. Reducing marine pollution will take more than 50% of this figure alone, according to the study. At a cost of over $90 billion, it includes programs to clean up ocean refuse, better manage said refuse, and improve wastewater treatment plants. It also means investing in research on biodegradable plastics, all while working to limit plastic pollution of any kind in the first place. Roughly 20% of the needed funding, the researchers say, is for protecting and restoring wetland ecosystems, coral reefs, coastal habitats, and other types of environment. For wetlands, that could necessitate setting aside new areas under the Ramsar Convention, an international treaty that aims to conserve wetland wildlife and ecosystem services. For seaside balances, 
it could mean the backing for an amalgamated coastal management system. This procedure brings together scientists, uh, management, members of the community and indeed other stakeholders to cooperate on unified oversight and administration of activities in coastal areas, aiming to balance competing interests for sustainable development, all while prioritising the, pres uh, well, the preservation of these, of these biological resources. So, what have we learned today? I think we've gotten a small glimpse into the many feelings I hold for hypocritical meme lords and the worshippers to boot. But more importantly, the Earth, and how conserving it for future generations is our responsibility. It's our main responsibility. Thank God someone finally made a way to get rich while doing it simultaneously. Join us next week where we'll be taking a look at some rather interesting stories. Well, rather interesting to me, it could be complete nonsense to you, but hey, why not give it a go? After all, how many three-week-old Binance tokens have their own podcasts? None, I'm betting. Hey, I could be wrong, but this could be the start of something pretty good. Lastly from me this week, I want to thank you for listening, and hope to see you again next time for more discussion on blockchain and the environment. Of course, if you do have any comments, please do let us know on the Twitter, that's at EarthChainF, it's the letter F at the end, at EarthChainF. I'd love to hear from you. Likewise, check out the website. It's EarthChain.Finance. And please do remember to do your own research, people. If you blindly believe everything I said in this episode, then good on you, because it's all true. But do do your own research. Ask the questions. Get involved in the debate. Until next time, I've been your host, Jacob Sanders. Goodbye. The music in today's show was created by me, Jacob Sanders, and Series 1-2 to two on Bandcamp. That's series one hyphen two on Bankham. Samples include Francis Bebe and Barry Harris. This podcast was commissioned by Earthchain.finance Limited. Mm-hmm.